Hello and welcome to Sharp China. I'm Andrew Sharp, and you are listening to a free preview of today's episode. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Sharp China. I'm Andrew Sharp, and on the other line, Bill Bishop. Bill, how you doing? Hey, doing well. How are you, Andrew? Hi, everybody. I'm good. I'm good. We finally got our Blinken visit this past weekend.、Uh, did you do anything to celebrate the occasion on Sunday? Father's Day.、Uh, no. Okay. I tried to I, I tried to stay off Twitter.、Uh, there were some some even for Twitter some stupidity around parts <laughs> of his arrival that I just I opened it up, saw some crazy discourse around how he was allegedly snubbed by the way he was greeted at the airport, which was completely not true. If anyone had actually done the work, and then I just turned off Twitter and ignored it for a while. Good, good for you. That's a really healthy decision on your Father's Day.、Um, I think it's a healthy decision on every day. Twitter really has become almost unusable at this point. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's sort of an entertaining、uh, distraction, but as far as a useful information tool, it's definitely been corroded. Obviously, people will point to Musk, but it's been trending this direction for like five or six、yeah. years now.、Yeah. Um, and the and the sort of the China related trolls are out of control. Yeah,、um, and it it really is.、Uh, sometimes it's fun to just go fishing and see what sort of creatures bubble up, but other times <laughs> it's, it's a little annoying. So try to stay off it on for on Father's Day. Yeah, good for you.、Um, I spent my Father's Day seething at the、oh, Washington Wizards.、One. I know your first one. Congratulations! First Father's Day had a great day, and then the Wizards broke my heart late Father's Day afternoon, late Sunday afternoon.、Um, they traded away Bradley Beal for pennies on the dollar,、uh, but that's to be expected with the most、uh, hopeless franchise in the NBA. Well, DC has the Commanders. It has. I mean, it's sort of like if you're a Washington sports team fan, you you sort of your heart is kind of broken for a while now. Other、oh, than、yeah. the Capitals, not a lot to get excited about, but that's okay because we had some exciting news on the、yes, U.S. China front recently.、Um, Lot to work through today. It is going to be mostly U.S. China issues on this episode. We'll get back to a broader scope next week, but for now. I'll kick things off by reading the lead from your cynicism newsletter on Monday. U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken has left Beijing after meeting with Chin Gong, Wang Yi, and Xi Jinping. On Monday afternoon, President Biden praised Blinken to reporters. He did a hell of a job, Biden told reporters on a visit to California. We're on the right trail here. Asked if he felt the U.S. had made progress, Biden responded, "I don't feel." You know it's been made, and then you write the U.S. efforts to get back to Bali are underway, starting from the top with President Biden, who seems to have really pushed to start fixing the U.S.-China relationship after the G7 and warnings from his counterparts there about the dangers of a worsening relationship. So, Bill, I want to go through the meetings one by one and get sort of your general reaction to what's been going on over the last couple of days. But as a threshold question, for anyone who's forgotten or wasn't listening to the podcast back in the fall, Biden and she met in Bali on the sidelines of the G20 summit. And what I'm wondering was the meeting in Bali like friendlier or more productive than I remember? Because there were multiple readouts this weekend that referenced the goal of returning to the common understandings reached in Bali. 
And I wonder what those understandings actually were. So over the last few years, we've had several moments, uh, several meetings, either at the presidential level or below, where the hope has been this was some sort of a putting the floor into the relationship, stabilizing, uh, allowing the two sides to reopen different channels for more productive discussions. We saw that in the Trump era. We saw it under Biden. Um, Bali last fall was the most recent. And the idea was, you know, this the Bali meeting came several months after uh, then Speaker Pelosi went to Taiwan when things really got, um, you know, the Chinese got very upset and mm-hmm. canceled, canceled a bunch of or put on hold a bunch of sort of working group dialogue type things. So the idea at, at Bali, it, it wasn't some kumbaya, everything's great, but it was, okay, we have to establish these or reestablish these channels of communication, try and start working through some of these issues. And the the big outcome apparently from Bali was going to be Blinken was then going to go to Beijing, excuse me, in early 2023 to um, sort of start working on next steps and, and right. kind of kick this off. And, and of course, it ended up his visit was scheduled for February and then the balloon happened. Um, and then that set everything back. And so back to Bali, it's not like back to Kumbaya. It's It's back to the hope that there would be a floor under the deteriorating relationship. And so the floor has sunk or collapsed in some areas since then. Mm-hmm. And now this latest round of talks, again, is another effort to figure out a way to can we at least maybe stabilize it for some period of time and then start re-engaging in certain areas and see if there aren't ways to make some sort of substantive, positive progress. Um, But it is in some ways, I mean, again, we've talked about this. I I thought it was a mistake um, for Blinken to cancel his trip when the balloon happened. Since then, I think it's become more clear that it was a pretty significant mistake where the Biden administration really panicked because of domestic political issues. And the U.S. actually gave up a lot of leverage. The Chinese were on the defensive. They would have, I think, Lincoln would have had a maybe publicly tough visit, but substantially perhaps a more constructive visit after during or after the balloon because the Chinese were scrambling trying to were scrambling. Yeah. The interim we've talked about how over the last several months the Chinese have masterfully become turned the their balloon into our fault, America's fault, and the Chinese as the victim, and then have used that to really squeeze the US side. Um, and then ultimately resulted in this meeting where I think it really was that the U.S. side had to um, hold off on some things to make the Chinese agree to let Lincoln go back. And so mm-hmm. going forward, you know, both sides set expectations low. I think those expectations were met, but that wasn't particularly uh, hard. I think that um, I I do believe in the fact that, I mean, you're, you're not going to achieve anything if you're not talking uh, I think, I hope that the Biden administration has learned the lessons from the past that just talking isn't enough. I, th- I think they have because several of the senior officials were part of the earlier engagement efforts where they sort of got stuck in this endless loop of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, when the China, we talked about this before, the Chinese will dialogue with you till the end of time. Yeah, um, I mean, particularly if, if it's a way to stave off Right. Competitive oh, we can't do this. Sanctions. Yeah. We can't do this because we have the meeting next month or we're going to do, you know, there's all it's classic. Right. And so now we're at a point where I think this visit was, again, expectations were low. I think it was a as good a visit as could have been hoped for. As I wrote yesterday, um, you know, the best outcome is they agreed to continue to 
talk. I mean, things like, you know, talk about increasing people to people exchanges, talk about increasing the numbers of flights. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, you know, I think Chingon, the foreign minister will be visiting the U S soon. The secretary, you know, there's a train of U S officials, I think Yellen, then Raimondo, then Kerry, or maybe Kerry after Yellen. I think Yellen may even go as early as like second week of July thereabouts. Um, so the treasury secretary. Yep. So, so there will be these continuing engagements. And I think a lot of it stems from, I mean, the, the relationship was really is in tatters. And as Ching Gong said in his opening remarks yesterday, um, you know, the, the, he, he basically will put up the quote right here. The China U S relationship is at the lowest point since this establishment, which right. is remarkable. Right. Yes. Considering not, not surprising, but they're admitting it. They're saying it. And that is a, it, that is, that is dangerous. And as a lot of people, the term people use, I think the administration folks have used it, sort of said one of the reasons they wanted to meet with the Chinese is there's a demand signal from allies to talk to the Chinese. And I think that that is really that lots of countries are have gotten increasingly worried about the uh, acrimonious state of U.S.-China relations. Mm-hmm. The uh, My understanding is President Biden was really got an earful at the G7 about you had to have to figure out a way to talk to China. Don't be the president that's starts a war with that that ends up in a war with China. Right. Um, I mean, they're real concerns about where things are headed. And so the, and that's frankly important context to what we've seen over the past couple of months, because as you and I have been talking about the push for re-engagement and talking for just talking sake and the dangers of that approach, like there's one way to frame the push for engagement from the Biden administration and look at them as sort of like inexplicably groveling at Xi's feet, even though China is still engaged in all kinds of provocative behavior. But you can also step back and say, this might be the U.S. acting from a place of strength, recognizing that China is sort of the petulant junior partner here, for lack of a better phrase, and and deciding that the interests of the U.S. and the world are best served by appeasing China on some of these smaller issues and maintaining talks as a way to insulate against some of the worst case scenarios. I, I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah, but- I, I, I would I would agree. I think it's in the middle. You know, the U.S. side has and, and Secretary Blinken has repeatedly said around this trip and before and after, you know, the U.S. is coming at it from a position of strength. And I think the Chinese side would argue they're in a position of strength, too. And so so it's a um, but but again, there's the caricature of the Biden administration groveling. Mm-hmm. There's the caricature of, you know, the Biden administration coming in from a position of strength. The reality is, is there were some there were some concessions made, the biggest one around the balloon report, right? The Chinese made very clear oh, yeah. uh, several months ago that, that they wanted they didn't want this report to come out and 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 they weren't going to agree to Blinken and going until they were comfortable. All right. And that's the end of the free preview. If you'd like to subscribe and receive full episodes of this show, you can do that in two ways. First, you can go to Sinicism.com and sign up for Bill's newsletter, which will also give you access to all of our Sharp China shows. Or if you want to receive all our Sharp China episodes, along with daily analysis of the tech business from Ben Thompson, several other podcasts about technology, and more shows that we'll be adding in the months to come, you can click the link in your show notes and subscribe to Stratechery Plus. Plus.